Okay, so let's learn. So last week was a little bit, the past couple of weeks I'd say, it's been a little bit high. So tonight I'm going to try to keep it a little bit more, more simple, but uh, okay, hopefully it'll still be interesting. All right, so you know, the story of Yaakov Avinu, the adventures of Yaakov Avinu continue, right? So again, last week's parasha, Yaakov Avinu, as we know, uh, buys the Bechayra, buys the birthright, and he steals the brachas from, from Esau, he receives the brachas from Yitzchak. And at the end of the parsha, so we know the Pasuk says that Rivki Menu notices and realizes that uh, Esav, Esav does not like Yaakov, to say the least, and she's afraid that, that Esav is going, to, uh, is going to kill Yaakov Avinu. And so because of that, she, she recommends to Yaakov that he should flee to, uh, to her brother, to, to her brother in her father's house, the house of Lavan, and that's where he should reside until Hamas Echicha, until the, the anger of, Yitzchak, of Esav subsides, and uh, and then you'll be able to come back, and then Rivka says, I'll call you back. So what happens is, the Pasuk says that Rivka Menu tells Yitzchak, it's interesting, she doesn't tell Yitzchak, uh, you know, Esav, I mean, you know what happened now, that Esav is going to kill, Esav hates Yaakov, she doesn't say that. She says, I'm disgusted, the very, the very thought of my son Yaakov, you know, marrying a woman from around here, is repulsive to me, and so I want him to go to the house of Lavan to find the Shidduch. And so that's what happens. So, Yishlach Yitzchak is Yaakov, Yilach Bidana Ram, Yitzchak Avinu sends Yaakov Avinu to the house of Lavan to go marry one of the daughters, or all the daughters ends up being there from, from Lavan, and uh, that's what happens. Okay, and then, as we know, in this week's parasha, Yaakov Avinu finds himself in the house of Lavan. And he builds uh, Knesset Yisrael, all the Shiftei Ka. But as we know, it, he has to deal with all the Nisyanis that come with, uh, with the love and Harami. All the trickery and all the Khalifin, the, the exchanges and the confusion and the back and forth that Lovin does, both in terms of marrying Rachel and Leah and the confusion that comes over there, and in terms of the Parnassah that Yaakov Vinu is owed, also the payment and the wages is constantly changing. And so this is the saga that Yaakov Vinu has to, has to deal with in his sign of Lavan. All right, so we have to understand that if you, if Chas Shalom, you know, if a person looks at, at Chumash with, um, you know, in a superficial way, the, uh, in Chitzainis, so it's like he's dealing with Esav, and then he's just trying to hide, hide out, to try to escape uh, the wrath of Esav. And eventually he's going to have to deal with Esav, you know, Parshas Vishlach, he eventually deals with Esav again. But in the meantime, this new Indian of Lovin, you know, and he's building Knesset Yisrael at the same time, so it's Gvaldic, but the, this Indian of Lovin is just like a side Nisayan, a side issue that sort of just comes out of nowhere. And so uh, that's in Chitzainius. In Pneumius, it's clear and it's obvious that Rivka and Yitzchak Avinu are sending Yaakov Avinu to the house of Lovin for a reason. And it's clear, therefore, in Pneumius, it must be that in order for Yaakov Avinu to deal with Esav, in order for Yaakov Avinu to develop within himself the tools necessary to combat Esav, and this is true for Yaakov and it's true for every single one of us to deal with our Esavs in the world, you have to go through a loving. That's clear. Again, everything in Chumash is telling us something about ourselves and about Avodah Hashem. So what we see from this story is, that there's a threat, there's, a, there's, there's going to be a battle that needs to be waged between Yaakov and Esav, and Yaakov Avinu has to be victorious in this Mulchama. But the only way how Yaakov Avinu can be victorious in this Mulchama is if he goes through Lavan. 
And if somehow he handles the nisyonis, the test that comes in the house of Lavan, and all the trickery and dealing with the exchanges and the confusion that, ha- that is the house of Lavan, only then can he then handle Esav. And so that's the first question we have to deal with. What is it about the the Nisayan of Lovan and his house that enables Yaakov to then handle the Mulchama of Esav. That's the question. And that's what we see in the Chumash, by the way. Like immediately after he overcomes the issues with Lovan and he builds Knesset Yisrael, he has a Shvatim, and he decides to separate from House of Love in the end of Parshas Yitzchak. Immediately, Parshas Yitzchak picks up, and now he's confronted with Asa. So it's 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 clearly this Hashkacha part that's going on over here, right? Like that that uh, time period where he's in the House of Love is what's allowing him to develop the skills necessary and the mentality and the meichen and the kedusha necessary to deal with Asa. So that's the question number one. What is this? What is uh, about? What is it about the test of Love that enables Yaakov Avinu to handle the? the issues with Esav. That's number one. Number two, when you, to, when you zone in on the Nisayan that Yaakovino deals with, the house of Lavan, so the general Nisayan that he's dealing with is trickery. Lavan making him crazy, saying one thing and then doing something else. And, uh, that, that, the chalipin, the, the exchanges, the confusion, that's the general theme of the Nisayan of the house of Lavan. But it manifests itself in two ways. It manifests itself in confusion and exchanges and trickery in terms of marriage, right? He's supposed to marry Rachel, ends up being Leah, v'chulu v'chulu. And another aspect of exchange and confusion that Lavan throws a Yaakov is in terms of money, in terms of his parnasa. And so the question is, the first question is, again, what exactly is the inning of the house of Lavan that Yaakovin has to go through to then handle Esav? And number two, specifically, okay, when you zone in on that Nisayin of Lavan and the trickery of Lavan, what is it, what's the connection between these two expressions of trickery? Trickery in terms of, of marriage and, uh, and, and mishpacha, and in terms of parnas, in terms of money. What's the connection between those two things? Okay, that's question number two. Question number three, we'll see if we have time to get to this, but it's just an interesting part of the story. When Yaakov Inu goes, Yaakov, so Yaakov leaves Eretz Yisrael, he then is on his way to, uh, to the house of Lavan, and right before he meets Rachel, so what's the setup? The setup of the story is that he sees these shepherds, right? Shleisha Edritzayin, three shepherds that are just, uh, you know, hanging out over a well. And there's, uh, there's this huge rock covering the mouth of the well. And Yaakov asks him, like, what's going on? And they say, listen, you know, we usually gather, we have a whole chaver gathered together at this time to, water the, to give water to the sheep, and we're waiting for the rest of the guys to uncover the well. It says in Pasuk, Yaakov sees Rachel Imenu, and he's so inspired by that experience he himself uncovers the well. And then he has a whole conversation with Rachel, who are you, and so on. And uh, the story continues. This any of the air, like it's almost like that's a chana, like that's, that's preparing Yaakov Avinu to meet, to meet Rachel, to deal with the house of love, and it's like part of this Indian. So the next question is, what is this, what is this story with the air and the rock over the air? How, ex- how do we explain that? Okay. Fine. Let's put that all those particular questions to the side. Now, there's a general Indian that we find in the Sermaktoshim that, you know, listen, as we know, myself is the Avisaktoshim, whatever they did, they're paving the way for the Jewish people. There is a, you know, it's Bashkacha Pratis that we're in the month of Kislev, and these are the parishes that we that we lane. We find very strong connections between Yaakov Avinu and the whole story of Yaakov Avinu going to the house of Lavan, preparing himself to deal with Esav, and the story of Hanukkah, the Indian of Hanukkah. So, for example, uh, Yaakov Inu, 
again, he's leaving Eretz Yisrael. He's on his way out. So it says in Pasuk that on his way, he gets to the place of the base of Megdosh, the place in the Harbayas by Yerushalayim. Fiyifkavimakim. He, he, he bumps into that place, and he, and he sleeps there because the sun set. So Rashi brings down from Chazal, what does it mean that the sun set? Yeah, he goes to sleep, presumably it's at night. Say Chazal, means that the sun set early. There was, a, you know, listen, at some point the sun sets, that's not a big deal. But over here, the sun set earlier than it's supposed to. It was a, miraculously, darkness descended to that place of Beis Amikdash. In a, in a miraculous way. Now, this Indian of nighttime and darkness coming to the base of Migdash, the Samarak Darshan tell us this is a simon, this is a, uh, a reflection, and it's a, it's a metaphor, and it's a foreshadowing, I guess you can say, of the Gullus of Greece, the Gullus of Yavan. We know that of all the exiles, Yavan in particular was a Gullus that specifically um, specifically attacks Beis Hamikdash, right? The whole story of Hanukkah is revolving around the Beis Hamikdash being contaminated and overrun by the Greeks, and Klal Yisrael the Chashmonaim kicked them out of the Beis Hamikdash, and the Menorah. It's 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 a Beis Hamikdash Dekeinian, and Chazal say that the Gulf of Yavin is compared to darkness. When the pasuk says in Bereishis that Hashem created light and dark, Chayshah Chazal say Chayshah Zayavin. So when you have Yaakov Avinu going to the Makom Hamikdash, Kiva Hashemesh, and a miraculous abnormal darkness descends in that place, that's the Bechina of Galas Yavim. And Yaakov Avinu, therefore, during this darkness, when he falls asleep, and Hashem reveals himself at the ladder, the dream, right, the whole thing with the dream, and Hashem says, I'm with you, I'm going to protect you no matter you go. In a certain, that, that's a general prophecy of giving Yaakov Avinu confidence, but in particular, this is a nevuah that is that the Jewish people will be able to survive Galas Yavan, that the darkness that descends on the base of Migdash, which is the Galas of, of Greece, Hashem is saying it's going to work out, there's going to be Hanukkah. And in fact, Yaakov wakes up from the dream and what does he do? He takes a jar of oil and he sacrifices, he brings a carbon, but instead of an animal, what does he do? He, uh, he establishes a stone for Mizbeach and he pours oil on it, oil. So we don't find such a thing that oil is a, is a carbon. The one Yantif, as we know, what's oil? Chanukah. It's the Yantif of Chanukah. So the whole Indian of Yaakov Avinu descending to the house of Lavan is somehow Chanukah related. It's somehow Chanukah related. And the truth is, we know it, it's also well known that when Yaakov Avinu overcomes the house of Lavan, and now he's on his way towards Eretz Yisrael, and Esav is coming to him. So the famous wrestling match between Yaakov and the Malach of Esav. So Yaakov is alone. How does he find himself alone and and uh, you know and uh, susceptible to attack? So it says, Chazal say that Yaakov went by himself on a private mission to find to to collect pachim ketanim, small jars. He's traveling with his family, of all of his uh, of all of his possessions. And Chazal say he forgot pachim ketanim. He forgot some small jars, and he went back by himself to go find it. Pachim ketanim. So it's brought down from the Kadmainim that that was Yaakov preparing on some mystical level the Pach Echad Shal Shaman. So you see the whole Misa of Yaakov his descent into Golis with, the, 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 with darkness descending on the Beis HaMikdash and eventually him coming out of that Golis and preparing the Pach Echad Shal Shaman. This whole story is a Hanukkah Dekenian. So this is something we have to investigate. What is, again, the, the, what exactly is, is Hanukkah doing over here? What's Hanukkah doing over here? Okay. Uh, now, once I mentioned Hanukkah, so 
Let's mention a, a few quick points when it comes to Hanukkah, and we'll see where this where this all takes us. Again, you're not going to have to remember all the questions. I have it written down over here, so don't worry. So it's like this. The Rambam, in the beginning of um, of, of, of Hanukkah, where he talks about the Luchas of Hanukkah, so the Rambam famously tells us a little bit of history of what Hanukkah was about. So these are the, the, this is the opening line of the Rambam. Vibay Yisheni, during the times of the second Vesem Migdash, when the Greek Empire, you know, laid decrees over the Jewish people, what were the decrees? What were the gezeres that, that the Ivanim put upon us? They forbade us from keeping Yiddishkeit. And specifically, we weren't allowed to learn Torah and to keep mitzvahs. And they put their hands in our money and in our daughters. In other words, they 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 he, they laid heavy taxes on the Jewish people, which was inappropriate, not normal, and also they forced intermarriage. That's what the Rambam says, and because of that, so uh, the Chashunoim, the rest of the story we know. Okay, the problem is, before you ask, the Rambam puts those two gezeres in one sentence: Poshtu yadam, b'memaynam uvnaisayim, that the the Greeks put their hands in the money of the Jewish people, and in the, the nekevis of the Jewish people. Those are two separate decrees. The Raman should say, he st- they stopped them from allowing us, they, they stopped us from allow- from keeping Torah mitzvahs. And they took our money, and they forced intermarriage. What, 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 what's the Raman connect In one sentence, that they put their hands, where? In these two things. What's the connection between those two things? Okay. It's interesting when, when you know, in Alanisim, so in Alanisim, we also talk about the story of Hanukkah, and there's one person that's highlighted in Alanisim, although there was a number of people that were involved in the miracle of Hanukkah, but there's one person that's highlighted, the name Matisio ben Yechen Kangal, right? ben Yechen Kangal. And so we identify the, the, the head of the Hashemunayim, the father, Matisio, but we identify him as he's not just Matisio, he's Matisio ben Yechen Kangal. Okay, so that might not, it doesn't sound so significant. That's uh, back in the day, that was your last name. Your last name was Ben, Ben your father. But we, we find in Chazal, uh, at least it's, it's very likely in Chazal, that the story of Hanukkah, the Chashmonaim, went out of their way to specifically connect the story of Hanukkah to the father of Matasio. Even though the father of Matasio was not alive anymore. The story of Hanukkah takes place, and Matasio is the Kohen not his father. But Chazal we find that the Hashemunayim understood that the Indian of Hanukkah and the Siat of the Shmaya they received to give us the Yantav of Hanukkah somehow was connected, not just to Matisio, but to Matisio ben Yoichen Kohengadol. How do I say that? So there's a Gemara Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara Rosh Hashanah, Dafir Chesim Eves, says the following story. The Gemara says, Shegazer Malchus Yavan, it's one of the decrees that is less known. The Gemara says that the, the, the Yavanim made the following decree, Shaloy Lahazkir Shem Shemayim Alpiyam that the Jewish people should not be allowed to say Hashem's name. Stam, person says, how are you doing? You say, Baruch Hashem. They didn't allow us to mention Hashem's name on our lips. Says the Gemara, And when the Hashem defeated the Greeks, so Hiskinu, so not only did they allow, obviously they allowed the Jewish people to mention Hashem's name once again, but they were Mechazik Vinyan. And what did they do to be Mechazik? Hiskinu, they were Mechazik, 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 they were M
they made a takana the chashmanoyim, they made a decree, a positive decree, that not only should Jews mention Hashem's name regularly, but whenever you have a document, a monetary document, a document, a star that says, Ruvain owes Shem and $100, or whatever it is, you should mention Hashem's name in the star. And the example is from the Gemara of Akacha Yukaisun. This is the example that Chazal give to this decree of the Chashmanoyim. Kacha Yukaisun, this is the example. B'shnas kach v'kach, in the year, you know, such and such. L'yoichnan kain gadol akel elyon. In the year of Yoichnan kain gadol's reign, the kain gadol for Hashem, l'kel elyon, Ruvain borrowed a hundred dollars from Shimon. So you see, the example Chazal give for this takana was, what's, the, what's an example of a shtar that you should mention in Shem's name? The way it was, Reuven borrows $100 from Shimon, and the shtar is, he has to indicate what year it is, and what day it is. So how do you calculate the years? So in those days, it would calculate based on who the Kain Gadol was. In the year, the, the third year of uh, Pliny being the Kain Gadol. And the example was, the, let's say, whatever year, let's say the third year of Yoichanan Kain Gadol, Yochanan's, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, tukufa of being the kain gadol, and he's the kain gadol kel elyon for Hashem Yisbarach lekel elyon, and that's the example. Now the Gemara goes on to say that when the Chachamim Chacham saw that they were conf- they were afraid of this of this takana because they realized what happens when the guy pays up the star. Let's say he pays up the loan, so now the star is ripped up. You don't want to keep that around. It's gonna, you know, it could cause problems if someone finds it. So you rip it up. But if Hashem's name is on it, it's gonna, co- you know, you can't rip it up. So they they abolish this decree. Okay, but it's an amazing thing. The example that Chazal give is what is the takana b'chashvenoyim that if a person a Reuven in bars angels from Shimon, uh, he did this in the in a particular deal. So the Archlaner, for example, the Mepharshim say this is referring to Yochanan Kain Gadol, Yochanan, the father of Matisio Kain Gadol. Chanukah didn't happen yet by Yochanan Kain Gadol when Yochanan was the Kain Gadol. So the example that the Gemara is giving could never have happened, right? The Takana was the Chashmanoim after the story of Chanukah. They made this Takana that when you mention the Shtar, uh, when you have a Shtar, mention Hashem's name. And the example is like, for example, if you were to write a Shtar during the reign of Yochanan Kain Gadol. Yochanan Gadol was before Hanukkah. Why don't you give a more appropriate example? Like if you're writing a star during the times of Matasyo or his children or whatever. You see from this Gemara also that just the example of the Gemara is to try to be Makasher, the Indian of Hanukkah, to not just Matasyo, but to the Yochanan, the father of Matasyo. Okay, fine. What's the problem with that? The problem is it's a Pella. Because the Gemara tells us there's a mission in Perkyovis, everyone knows. Mishnah says, Says the Gemara, you shouldn't trust yourself until the day you die. The person's a tzaddik or a tzaddikus. Don't trust that things will remain that way tomorrow. You still have to always work and always be on guard from the Eight Sahara. You do the best you can every single day. How do I know? Says the Mishnah, because Yoichanan Kain Gadol, Yoichanan was a Kain Gadol for 80 years in Beis HaMikdash, a tzaddik Yisoyed Oilam, and at the end of his life, he became a tzaddiki. Says the Bnei Sashar, and he... And he Proves this in certain ways that this Yoichan Kain Gadol, who was a, it was a tzaddik for 80 years and then became a tzaduk at the end of his life, was none other than Matisio ben Yoichan Kain Gadol. That was Matisio's father. That was the Yoichan. So now it's Mamashat Pella. That's something that you want to hide. You know, if you're the son of Yoichan Kain Gadol, so for 80 years you're proud of it. At the end of the, at the, end of the time, you're not, you're not so proud of it. So not only does Matisio not hide the fact that he's the son of Yoichan Kain Gadol, and it's Bimei Matisio Ben Yochanan Kain Gadol, but Adarabah, 
not only were they proud of it, this became the Indian that the whole Indian Hanukkah is, is in the schus of Yoichna Kohen Gadol. And that's why the example of the Takana was, for example, if you write a star during the times of Yoichna Kohen Gadol, Kael Elyon. So for, what's going on over here? First of all, that's someone that you want to hide. And second of all, what's this Indian that uh, Adarabba, the Adarabba, that Yoichna Kohen Gadol is a schus for Hanukkah? <clears throat> okay, so these are, those are all the questions. Let's, let's, let's begin to learn. Let's begin to learn. Okay, there's a, you know, everyone knows there's a, there's a famous mashal that the Rishonim bring down, which is that if you see a painting, the mashal, right? So there's no such thing on a painting, there's no such part of a painting that's just their stamp, right? Everything, it was, it was made by a painter. So obviously every single part of it was, was put there with intention. So, the, the, so the, the, it's brought down from the Rishonim such a mashal, and so too it is with the world, right? The world isn't just stamp. The Rabbanu made the world, which means that every phenomenon that exists in the world must have been thought of by the Rabbanu Shalom and put here for a reason. Like there's certain things we just take for granted, like, you know, there's certain gravities. It's just, okay, kacha. No, no, the Rabbanu Shalom didn't have to make gravity. He decided to make gravity. So you have to think, why? There's a certain phenomenon in creation that we assume, and we just, obviously it's part of life, but again, it was put here for a reason. So we have to investigate the Sharish Adavar, what, what the root of this is, and what its place is in Avadis Hashem. Everything the Rabbanu created in nature is not just in nature, but it's something reflective in Avadis Hashem. There's a phenomenon in creation that's called Hipoch. What does Hipoch mean? Hipoch means the ability of something to change. Something to change. The Leshem, for example, the great Mekubal or Shemel Yoshev, so in, in Sefer Klalim, in Klal Tezayin, he talks about, about the sugya of hipoch, of change. What is change? Change means, the Rabbani Shalom made this a phenomenon in creation, that what something is, is not necessarily what it always was and always will be. Things can change. Things can change. We take that for granted, obviously. But it, doesn't have to, it didn't have to be like that. What is the definition, when you, when you say in Hebrew, the word, the word, uh, you know, hafecha, hafuch, hipoch, that shirish of changing. So the lesson points out, for example, in Tanakh, that whenever that word hipoch is used, it's, it's always, it's, always it, 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 it's with the following criteria. You have one thing, that that one thing changes. So for example, we say with David Davening, hafach the misvidi l'machayli. Hafach the misvidi l'machayli means, says Davin HaMelech, that my eulogy was turned into a dance. In other words, that means the Chavar got together to eulogize Davin HaMelech, right? To, to mourn the downfall of Davin HaMelech. And that gathering, that gathering was turned into a dance. There's such a thing as a dance, or there's such a thing as a Leviah. But Hafach the Mizim Lachali means that there's such a phenomenon that the thing itself, which was until now a Leviah, is turned into a dance. Hafach Yom Leyabasha, right? What was until now ocean was turned into dry land. So there's such a phenomenon, such a phenomenon of something being turned into something else. Okay, fine. That's something that we see. It's something that uh, we're used to. Now, usually though, usually though, whenever that takes place in nature, the like hafachta misli machali, like the levaya being turned into a dance or the ocean being turned into dry land, it's not at the same time, right? First, it's levaya, and then it's turned into a dance, or first it's ocean and then it's turned into dry land. But it's not a levaya and a dance at the same time, and it's not a uh, and it's not ocean and dry land at the same time, because we understand that in nature 
the way the world is. You can't have, you know, two things can't be, uh, one thing can't be two things at the same time. But this is, this is where Ruchnis is different. This phenomenon of something changing, we find in Ruchnis too. What do we, how do we find in Ruchnis? So such thing as tshuva, right? Such thing as tshuva, a person can change. A person gets used to a certain thing in life. Doesn't mean it has to be like that. Next morning, person usually doesn't daven chakras, so he can decide to change. He's going to start daven chakras. So what was until now one thing, and now is something else. But in Ruchnitz, we, we find something deeper than that. In Ruchnitz, we find a phenomenon that not only can, can one thing change into something else, but you could have a phenomenon where one thing is both at the same time. Both at the same time. What's an example of this? The example of this is actually none other. I'll give you, I'll, there, there's negative examples of this and positive examples of this, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a negative example of this. In the Kis Ferry, we find this is a little bit scary, so don't, uh, there's not, don't, don't worry, this is not going to happen to you, okay? But we find such a thing that Rizal talks about none other than Yoichnan Kohen Gadol. The person Yoichnan, right, there was a tzaddik for 80 years and becomes a tzaduki. How does that happen? How does that happen? I mean, just Tommy wakes up one morning, like, finished. So listen to what the Rizal says. The Rizal says, there is such a thing, that a person could be a tzadigomer. Then all of a sudden, like he's uh, turned over to someone else. What happens? Like what you find by Yochanan Kain Gadol. That he's a Kain Gadol for 80 years. Becomes a tzaduki. So again, I'm not going to get into the problem of this, but just on the side. Said the Rizal like this. Said the Rizal, said the Rizal that when a person davens tachnun, when a person says tachnun, there is, again, this is, when a person davens tachnun with kavanis, the way mukubalim, you know, would daven not not us, so don't worry, it doesn't apply to us. But the, theoretically, if a person does tachnun the way the mukubalim do it, there is a danger. The danger is that by tachnun, he says, you are. Lowering yourself, you're putting yourself into a negative place, Makamaklipis, into a low place, a place of darkness. And it says there is and if your soul is not 100% pure, then you might get stuck in that darkness. You might get stuck in that dark place. You might get stuck. And then, while you have your, while you're at Tzadik, while you're at Tzadik, what might happen during this time of Tachnun, when again, not, not for Tachnun that we do, but uh, other, you know, with Kavanas, which we don't do anyway. Even the Kabbalim usually don't do it anyway. So uh, when this takes place, there is such a phenomenon where the person can be given a second Neshama. And a second Neshama, that's not as holy. Not as holy. A Neshama mitzad klipa. They don't, they don't even notice it themselves. And then all of a sudden, they're just changed over. In other words, what the Rizal is, is telling us is the following idea. That not only is there such an idea, such a thing that a person is someone one day, and it changes over. A person was a tzaddik in Lo'olenu, becomes a rasha. Where a rasha does tshuva, they become a tzaddik, fine. But there is such a phenomenon where a person can have two neshamas. They can have two neshamas. They could be a person that has a neshama of Yoichan and Kohen for 80 years, and because of some strange circumstances with Tachanun, who knows what, the Rabbana Shalom gives him a second neshama of, of a Russia. And a person can have such a thing. Now, we've all heard stories like this. We're not, we're not this is not, uh, you know, we're not around the campfires. So we're not going to talk about it like a Dibbuk, right? What's a Dibbuk? 
to Debeke. Debeke is a person has a neshama. And all of a sudden, there's such a phenomenon where a person is given, where, where some other neshama enters their body. And it doesn't take away from the neshama that they were born with, but there's this other entity inside of them. By the way, that those are scary stories. That's on the negative side. There's such a thing as a Debeke in Kedusha. There is such a phenomenon where a person is, has their neshama, but they're also given a second neshama of a tzaddik, or a second neshama of a tzaddikis, to help them in their avaidah, to continue to uplift them. So there is such a phenomenon, there is such a phenomenon of what? Of not only something turning into something else, but there is such a phenomenon of, of, of having one thing, that it is both it and its opposite at the same time. There is such a thing. In physical nature, we don't see it so much, but in ruchnis, that is possible. Let's understand. This Indian, this Indian of having one mitzias, one entity, but this one entity is, has both unbelievable good, but at the same time, unbelievable bad. Mamish, it and its opposite. Like Yoichner which is he had a, a holy neshama of a kain gadol, and inside, and somehow at the end of his life, he was implanted like a dibuk with a, a different neshama at the same time. This is exactly what Gullus Yavin was about. What do I mean? What was Gullus Yavin? So everyone knows, you know, in the story is they contaminated all the oils, right? Okay, what does that mean? So all the Svarms say that the oil is always a metaphor to Chachma. So what was, what, what was the exile of Greece? The exile of Greece was, you have a base of English. You have a base of English. Think about it, right? Every other exile means there was no base of English. Every other exile is... You, you, either you have Eretz Yisrael or you don't have Eretz Yisrael. You have Beis HaMikdash or you don't have Beis HaMikdash. Gols Yavan is a funny exile. It's an exile that says you have Eretz Yisrael and you have Beis HaMikdash. You have Tyra. You have Chachamim. But everything at the same time is completely contaminated. At the same time as you have the Chachamim learning Tyra and understanding Halacha and coming up with novel ideas, Timu all the oils of Tyra were at the same time polluted. And you had the same minds that were saturated with Chachmas Hashem. And at the same time, those minds were fully saturated with Greek philosophy too. Chachma Pnimis and Chachma Chitzainis. And you didn't have, and it wasn't like people had to make a choice. In, our, you know, in the storybook, in, the, in, the, in the, the picture books, when you're a little kid, it's like you have the, either you have the tzaddik, with the long white beard and, you know, sitting like that, and he's the tzaddik, or you have the misyavdim just, you know, uh, playing ball on Shabbos or something, right? So that, that, it's not like that. Timu kolashman means that it's true there were misyavdim, there were yidin that went off the derech, and there were yidin that were fighting Yiddishkeit, 100%. But timu kolashman means don't think that the other camp was 100% pure. It wasn't like that. The essence of Galas Yavin it was that, every, that there was no such thing that was 100% pure. Everything was a combination of both. There was, no, there was no tzaddik that was just pure tzaddik. Everyone was a combination. That's exactly what Golis Yavin was about. This is why, again, the Beis HaMikdash was there, and Eretz Yisrael was there. You didn't live there, but it was, it was also at the same time completely contaminated. <clears throat> the, reason, the, the, the Leshem, for example, explains that, that the, you know, here, I'll... The Rizal says like this, uh, the Leshem says like this, I'm sorry, that in the, you know, the human body, the Rabbanishal made the human body in such a way that everything in our body sort of is reflective of everything in the world, right? The human being is like an oil cotton. So Leshem says that there's a certain part of the body that is reflective of this phenomenon, of having two things that are different, but at the same time, both function at the same time. 
and says the Leshem, that's your feet, if you think about it, right? If your feet, there's a right foot and there's a left foot. Now, right and left are very different. And the right foot does one thing and the left foot does something else. But they both function at the same time together. See, when it comes to your eyes, for example, you have your right eye and your left eye, but they're both doing the same thing. They're, you know, it's, we're not like, you know, you know, amphibians could like, you know, chameleons, they can move their eyes separately. A person can't do that. So there's, even though there's two eyes, but it's pretty much the same thing. Your hands, you have a right hand and a left hand, and they function completely different from each other. And there's one that's usually dominant and one that's not as dominant. So they're very different. The feet, you have a right foot and you have a left foot, so they are different. They're Dover Vipucha, right and left are opposites, but they function together at the same time. And Adarabe, in order to walk, which is what feet are about, you need to use both feet. So it's not like your eyes that you use both eyes, but literally they're mamish locked with each other. Your, your right foot and your left foot function, function independently, but they're also at the same time not independent. They're also functioning as one. The feet of a person are the reflection of this phenomenon. Of what? Of, of there being a possibility in creation and in the person. Of what? Of having one thing and, and its opposite at the same time. This is why the, in the Svarmak Dashar, Rabbi Nachman in the Kut Maran talks about this, that we find that a person's feet are related. In Tanakh, we find feet are associated with two things. It says in Pasuk, Ragle Chasid of Yishmar, that the feet of a tzaddik Hashem protects. And the Zarkadish says, Da Itzisa, that's your wife and children. A wife and children are in Tanakh connected to feet. Why? Because everyone knows when it comes to children, you have you have two people, right? A husband and wife. Fine. And they have a certain personality, and they are what they are. And all of a sudden they have, let's say, uh, can I know her? They have ten kids. And every single kid is an Ilam Mole, is a complete independent universe by themselves, each one different than the other. And they both came from the same parents. How'd that happen? Chazal say, the child is an expression of the parent. Which means that when you see that guy walking around, or you see that woman walking around, and they seem like one person, ah, that's not one person. There's a Ruvain, there's a Shimon, there's a Levi, there's a Yehuda, there's a Yisachar, Zvul, and Donav. There's all different types of people packaged in that person. And the person himself doesn't even know how many voices are inside of him. Until the children come out and he realize, whoa, I didn't know how complicated I was. So the Indian of, ch- of children, and that's what a, a husband and wife is the same thing, right? Everyone, every, every Bachar, while they're dating, and even when they're engaged, thinks that their mom is like such a nice guy, right? And every girl that's dating thinks that she's a nice girl. All of a sudden you get married, whoa, right? I didn't know I had a temper, right? She's, I didn't know I had a temper. I didn't know that I was jealous. I didn't know I was like that. All different in Yanam, all of a sudden come out. That's the nature of a husband and wife. The nature of children is to reveal how that, what you thought until now was that simple single person is multifaceted with a million voices inside and out. And there's another thing that Chazal say are connected, that are, that are symbolic, that the feet are a symbol of, and that's a person's money. It says in Pasuk, Yaakov in Parshas V'yishlach, es kol hayikum asher a person's finances, a person's wealth, which is by their feet, it says in Pasuk. Money is also, what is money? The, 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 the purpose of money is, it's an object, it's an object in order to make things exchange for something else. Right, so I have a couch, and I need I need a table, whatever. Right, so how do I do that? So I sell my couch, and I get money, and I use the money to buy a table. So what was the money? 
The money was was a, a mechanism. Money is, is an object just to mechalifim, to make things exchange, to make things go this way and go that way. So money is also an object that's reflective of this phenomenon of inside every table is a possibility of a chair. And inside every chair, there's a possibility of a stove. And inside a stove, you could possibly have a car. And, it's just, it, and, and the money reveals that. Because whatever the value of something is, it means it's, it could be anything. Right now, the value, this $100, is taking the form of a table. It could take the form of something else. And so money means that everything really could be anything else. And in a certain sense, maybe it is everything else right now. Nothing is stuck in, in what it is based on the concept of money. So let's go back. What was Gaulus Yavin? Gaulus Yavin was contaminating the Jewish people with this thing, which is, you think you're a tzaddik, you could, be, you could, you could act like a tzaddik and a tzaddikus, and your mind could be polluted at the same time. You could be something, and it's opposite, all babasachas, all in one moment. You could, be, you could have a Beis HaMikdash, and you could have Eretz Yisrael, you could have Chachmas Hashem, and you could have it be contaminated at the same moment. Means the whole inn of Golis Yavan was a Yochanan Kain Gadol phenomenon, where you could have a, tzad, a holy neshama and an unholy neshama all at the same time. And this is what the Ramam is saying: Pashtu Yadam b'Memaynam Uvnaiseim, that the Yavanim polluted the Jewish people specifically, and the Gezeris took took effect in the money of the Jewish people and in the Mishpachas, the family life of the Jewish people, because that's where they come up with that idea, where the Yavanim come up. With, those are the things that they're going to attack. And why does Ram put them together? The answer is because money and mishpachas, husband and wife and children, are the, the, the tzad what's the common denominator between them, is that they both have this quality of revealing that you could have one thing, which is its opposite at the same time. And that's exactly what Golis Yavin was about. This is why, for example, you know, uh, 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 I, I mentioned in the beginning, Yaakov Avinu going into the, into, into, you know, going into the house of Lovan on his way to Lovan. So Hashem Yisbarach, is foreshadowing the story of Hanukkah. So he, he lies down the base of Migdash, that place, and all of a sudden darkness descends, which is Galus Yavin. What does Galus Yavin have to do with Yaakov Inu going to the house of Lovin? The answer is the whole Indian of Lovin was what? Was confusion. Lovin is, you think it's Rachel, it's Leah, you think you're Odis, it's that. Things being, things being exchanged. It's a holy sign of, 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 of Lovin. That's exactly what Gaul's government, that's exactly what Greece was about. That's exactly the sign of Greece. This is why when Yaakov Avinu, you know, on his way, on his way out, and, and so on, on his way to the house of Lovin, so there's a Pasuk in, our, in this Parsha, after the whole story of the dream, Yaakov Avinu goes, now with confidence, after the, after the dream, when Hashem promises him that even though there's going to be the Gaulus of Yavin and there's going to be this phenomenon of exchange, but you can make it out, as we'll explain in a moment, so Yaakov you know, goes, Vayisa Yaakov Raglov, Vayelach Kedem. Yaakov picks up his feet, and he goes to the east, to the house of love, and picks up his feet. How else is he supposed to go? Of course he picks up his feet. The answer is, the, the, the Indian of him going to the house of Lavan and struggling with this Nisayan of Dover V'yipuchai, of having, of, 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 some, of having holiness and evil, mamish, all mixed up at the same time, that's exactly the Indian of feet. And so Yaakovina, Vayisa Yaakov Raglov, the whole Indian of Yaakovina going to the house of Lovin is to mechazek and to strengthen this bechina, this and, and to overcome this nisayin that's connected with feet of right and left work functioning at the same time. So this is the gallus of Yavin. But let's understand. And we're gonna we're gonna move quickly now towards the end. It says in Pasach, Chayel Balav Yakeno. Chayel Balav Yakeno means that the enemy swallows up, swallows us up only to be forced to vomit us back out 
and we come out with even more gifts. In other words, whenever you have, whatever, whenever you have the, 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 an attack on the Jewish people in a particular way, it always means not only will we overcome that test, but we're actually going to take that quality and that quality which was until now the, the difficulty is itself going to be turned into the ultimate gift. This, this Indian, this Indian of, 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 of Yavan polluting the Jewish people with this concept of what? Of you could have something and its opposite all at the same time. At the moment of Golis Yavan, that's a terrible, that's a terrible <coughs> exile to be under, of, of, of not to have purity. There were nothing's pure. Everything is, everything is polluted and everything's mixed up, and that's a terrible thing. But ultimately, that phenomenon is the greatest gift of all. We know that during the times of, of Hanukkah and going forward, what the Jewish people were, were destined to build as a result of Hanukkah and going forward was the world of Tarsh Baal Peh. Tarsh Baal Peh. The, until Hanukkah, the overriding you know, uh, uh, relationship to Yiddishkeit the Jewish people had was Tarsh Baal was the written Torah, was prophecy. And everyone knows Hanukkah was the, sort of that, that's the Tkufa. Golos Yavin and so on is a demarcation point of where now the focus, the relationship we have with the Rabbanu Shalom and Yiddishkeit is no longer prophetic. It's now Tarsh Baal Peh. And you know, one of the basic differences between Tarsh B'chsav, the written Torah, prophecy, and Tarsh Baal Peh is that when it comes to Tarsh B'chsav, when it comes to the written Torah, prophecy, no machlagas. You can't have any dissenting views. What Moshe Rabbeinu says is it. When you have another Navi, and the Navi says, that does is this. There's no, there's no different shitas. There's no different opinions, no different approaches. Thus is thus. Thus is thus. There's no such thing as Elo Velo. Thus is thus. The, what's the Chiddush of Tarsh Baal Peh? The Chiddush of Tarsh Baal Peh is that the Rabbani Shloylam's truth is able to be experienced in all different ways. All different ways. That the truth of, 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 of the Rabbani Shloylam's Torah is not, it's not stuck in a particular corner of thus. It's not rigid. Thus is thus. When Tarsh Baal Peh demands the philosophy of what, and the truth of Tarsh Baal Peh is, you could have a Bishama, you could have a Bishil, and they're both true. You could have Chesidim, you could have Mestagdim, you could have Litvisha, you could have Svardisha, and, and, they're, and they're all holy Jews, and they're all perfect, and they're all divine, they're all, they're, all, they're all coming to this, coming from the same place. In the language of Chazal, Chazal say, the person might question themselves, how could I connect to God in, the, in, in, in a post-Navuah uh, world? Uh, 49 people say it should be like this. 49 people say it should be like that. How do I function? So Hazal say, you're right. There are people that say like this, and there are people that say like that. And they might both be true. And they're, both, they're all coming from the same God. They're all coming from the same shepherd. It's all coming from Taras Moshe. It means the whole quality of Tarsh Baal Peh demands the Jewish people absorbing in a holy, healthy way this phenomenon, which is that you can have something and it's opposite, and they're both true. So what was, what was during the exile of Greece, what we're struggling with is this Nakuda, which is, I could be at, that, that everything is, you have a base on English, but it's also contaminated. We have Eretz Yisrael, but it's overrun by the Greeks. Everything is, you know, it, 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 it's, it's one thing, and it's the opposite at the same time, and that's a deep struggle. That's a deep struggle. But ultimately, if the Jewish people are able to deal with it and to get over that which we'll speak about in a moment then the then what we get on the other side is not freedom from that phenomenon 
we conquer that concept and we absorb it into our system to then use it in holiness, to be able to create a Yiddishkeit that's nuanced and to create uh, customs and cultures and Yiddishkeit and different streams of Yiddishkeit that are all holy and pure and they're, both tr- and they're all true at the same time. And so this is the objective. The objective of Hanukkah was not to get rid of this concept of Dover V'yipuchai. That's not the idea. But the idea is to absorb it in Kedusha and to, and to use it in a way to produce a, 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 a beautiful Yiddishkeit that could, not have been, that could have not been created unless we experienced this inyan of Golis Yav. And this is, by the way, this is, by the way, what, 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 even the miracle the miracle of Hanukkah is itself, is itself um, uh, still working with this concept of something and its opposite at the same time. For example, every other yontif that we have, the Rabbani Shalom comes and saves the day after the Jewish people do tshuva or after the Jewish people do mitzvahs to deserve a Yeshua. So the Jewish people are, 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 are we're shayim, we're doing averis, whatever it is, and we daven to Hashem and we change our lives over and then the salvation comes. So, but even by Purim, right? So Purim, the Pesach says in the Megillah Sester, the Jewish people gather with Yachuva, some davening, sackcloth, and the Rabbani Shalom protects us and saves us. It's Gavaldik. Hanukkah is not like that. Hanukkah, the Jewish people did not do tshuva. Did not do tshuva. There was no tshuva done. They were still misyavnim. They were still learning Greek philosophy. All this, nothing changed. But those, but what, so what happened? Those same Yidin, the Chashmanoyim, who were not acting on their own, they were acting on behalf of the Jewish people, they came with the following philosophy. It's taka true that we're full of contamination. It's taka true that we're full of Greek culture. And it's taka true that timu kolashmanim. But that doesn't take away from our ability to be Meister Nefesh for God's sake right now. I, why should we be Meister Nefesh? Look at the rest of our lives. They said, who cares about the rest of our lives? Why, why does the fact that I have this evil neshama inside of me, take away from the fact that I have a good neshama inside of me. I mean, that same quality that was the exile of Greece, that, that, that led to such a, a phenomenon that you have a base amygdash that's also contaminated, was itself its own salvation. Because the Jewish people fully absorbed this truth in themselves, and they came to the, fo- to the following conclusion. Just because I did Averis this morning doesn't mean I can't do mitzvahs right now. And just because I might do Averis, God forbid, tomorrow, it doesn't mean that I can't do mitzvahs tonight. What does one do the other? I could, be, I could be a contradiction. That's okay. The concept of stira, the concept of contradiction, the concept of being one thing and the other at the same moment, that itself was the exile of Greece. And when the Jewish people began to absorb that quality, that truth, that phenomenon in Kedusha, that was our victory over the Yavanim. And what we emerge out of Yavan is not to get rid of that idea of stiras. It's to absorb the concept of, of contradiction and opposites at the same moment, to absorb it in our bloodstream in a healthy way, and we come out the other end able to produce a Tarsh Balpeh where there's all different approaches, all different Malachim, and they're all Kaddish Vatar, and they're all leading to the same God. That was only possible. So what, what, what we see from Galas Yavin is this idea, which is that the, the, what, isn't, what, was, what starts off as the, as the problem the Jewish people, the job of the Jewish people is not to get rid of it. The job of the Jewish people is to sift through it, to find the kernel of truth and of holiness, and to absorb that in our bloodstream, and we'll produce, on the other end, something even more beautiful than when we started. That's exactly what, what Galas Yavin is about. Let's understand. So let's go back to the story, to the story of Hanuk, to the story of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu is now challenged with waging a war against Esav, with waging a war against Esav. But Yaakov Avinu is told 
that in order to fight Esav, you have to realize, you have to learn the following lesson. You have to learn that whatever you're going to be confronted by with Esav, don't think of it as just pure evil and garbage and get rid of it. You have to realize that you're not fighting with Esav. You're trying to clarify, you're trying to sift, you're trying to find holiness in that confused place. The, the, whenever a Jew struggles with a Yetzirah, whatever your Esav is, it's not the shot that you're dealing with something that's completely terrible. That's not the shot. What, you're deal, what, you're, what you have to first absorb the lesson of Lavan. You have to first absorb the lesson of that you can have two things at the same time. That what looks like on the outside is something terrible doesn't mean it's 100% terrible. It doesn't mean it's 100% terrible. It means there's an aspect of it that's not good. But it means that there could be very, very likely, and, and most likely, and, 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 and it's almost always true, that there's an aspect of something positive in that experience as well. And so don't look at, so in other words, if Yaakov Avinu were to immediately confront Esav before dealing, before absorbing the truth of the house of Lavan, then when he faces Esav, what he's going to see is just enemy, terrible, traif, apostle, Apostle it up and try to and try to destroy that Yitzar, just try to destroy it. But that's incorrect. That's incorrect because just like we see with the story of Hanukkah, the the the, the concept is never to destroy the Yitzar. The concept is to figure out what is it. What is the defining factor of this Yitzar that's in front of me? What is the defi- what is the defining factor of this Esav? And try to polish it. Try to find the kernel of truth and absorb it into your bloodstream. And this is the, the very concept of approaching Esav like this, is by recognizing that even Esav is a mixture of good and evil. Even Esav has good in him. And, so, and, this, and this is the philosophy that Yaakov has to absorb through experiencing the house of love. And what is love? And love is everything is being exchanged for something else. You think it's Rachel, it's Leah. You think it's Leah, it's Rachel. You think you owe this amount of money, you owe that amount of money. Everything is being exchanged. This was the avoida that Yaakovinu has to absorb within himself, which is that such a thing is possible. That when you don't look at things in such black and white terms, something is bad or good. It's not like that. You can have something that's bad, but there's good inside of it. And you can have something that's good, and there's bad inside of it. What's your avoida? Your avoida is not to destroy. Your avoida is to sift. Your avoida is to uncover good. That's your avoida. Your avoida is to take off the stone from the well to reveal the water that's there. That's your avoida. And of course, you get rid of the stone. But it's not just bad. Destroy, destroy, destroy. Things are more subtle than that. This is exactly this is exactly the 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 the, the Indian of Hanukkah. The whole Indian of Galus Yavan is exactly this Indian, which is the the, the lesson of things things are can be one and its opposite at the same time, and that could be a point that's the, of struggle. That's the exile of Greece. But when you absorb that truth within yourself, what you could produce from there is mamish infinite. And what the Jewish people, and, and this is the key, this concept of having of something and its opposite being together at the same time is exactly the key the Jewish people need. That's the gift of Hanukkah. To be able, that, that's the gift the Jewish people need in order to survive Golas, in order to deal with all the Asas. Because what's the job of the Jewish people in Golas? Just to look at everything as the enemy? No, the job of the Jewish people in Golas is to go through one experience and the other, one Asaf to the next Asaf to the next Asaf, and not to destroy them as we go along, but to uncover the spark of Kedusha inside of them as we go along, to uncover the truth, to absorb within our bloodstream the particular quality of this, of this Esav and that Esav, and to absorb it in a healthy way, in a productive way. So, 
and this, this, this is what Tarsh Peh is. What's Tarsh Peh? The whole phenomenon of Tarsh Peh is, I have a kasha. I have something I don't understand. But I believe that there's an answer there. And I investigate, and I try to sift through it, and I try to come up with the, core, with the, the, the kernel of truth that's behind all the layers of questions. That's what Tarsh Peh is. Prophecy, Tarsh doesn't have questions. This is the truth, finished. What is Tarsh Peh? Tarsh Peh means there's a truth there, but it's covered over with layers of misunderstanding. And your job in Tarshbal Peh is to, first of all, believe that, that there's a kernel of truth behind the misinformation, and you try to find that kernel of truth with questions and answers and debates and going back and forth. And all of that is a process of war, and it's conflict, but it's really a process of finding the truth. Because the whole inn of Tarshbal Peh, which was given to us as, which is a result of the story of Hanukkah, the second base Samik Deshanan, which is, and even to this day, which is a time period of Tarsh Peh, is, is, is what, is all one story of what? Of acknowledging that you could have something, uh, something holy covered over and integrated in something unholy at the same time, and your objective is not to destroy the whole thing. Your objective is to find the kernel of truth. And that's exactly the story of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu to deal with the aces of the world in a healthy way and recognize that his job is not to destroy Esav. His job is to uncover and to absorb within his bloodstream the quality, the holy, the, the potential holiness of that ace of that con- that mentality, that philosophy, that understanding comes through Yaakov Vino, uh, going through the house of Lovin and recognizing through the house of Lovin that there's such a phenomenon as having something with it and its opposite at the same time, and that's exactly that's exactly what the holiness of of of, of Yaakov Vino and the and the house of Lovin is about, and again, this is why even at the end. When Yaakov Avinu, uh, you know, emerges, you know, after the battle, you know, the the the, the wrestling match with Esav, so it says that he's injured. What? His feet are injured. His feet are injured, because that's that's because again, the whole thing was revolving around this Nakuda of of, of Hanukkah. It's all revolving around this, and so his feet, which is the the symbol of Davar Vipucha, he's injured. And it says in Pasuk, but what happens? The sun, the sun uh, shines upon Yaakovinu and he's miraculously cured. Rashi brings down from Chazal Nesvik's parasha that the, those hours, that the sun that, shine, that shined on Yaakovinu, the sun rose early. Rose those same hours that the sun set early in the beginning, which was the goals of Yavan, so the sun rises early for Yaakovinu to heal his foot, which is the redemption from the house, from, from, from Golos Yavan. And again, that's the idea that that so you know that the whole the whole Indian of Galus Yavan and the whole story of Hanukkah and the whole Indian of Yaakov Vinu descending to to the house of Lavan to develop the skills necessary to cope with the aces of the world is this nakuda that don't look at things as so black and white and 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 a person shouldn't look at themselves as so black and white. It's okay to be confused. It's okay to be a steer. Yes, a person does. Uh, you know, you, you could, uh, you, you know, you could be a Yochanan Kain Gadol for eighty years like this, and at the end, something else takes place. But they, but the, the Chashmonim understood that although that is the symbol of everything that's difficult about Yavan, but that itself, that itself ultimately becomes the greatest victory of the Jewish people over Yavan when we integrate that truth within ourselves, and therefore the celebration of Hanukkah is Matasio Ben Yochanan Kain Gadol. It's all Yochan Kain Gadol because that same quality of having two different neshamas at the same time, which was the difficulty of Yavan, is itself also the 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 the, the celebration of, of of Hanukkah in the fact that we could that we that we look at the world now in, in, with complex eyes, 
and we look at our, we could we we ourselves could be complex. We could look at our enemies as complex, and we could produce a complex relationship with the Rebbeinu Shalom, a multifaceted relationship at the same time. And that's exactly all a result of Hanukkah, and that's what Yaakov was inculcating within himself by by surviving the house of love and developing this skill and this and this perspective of complexity to then engage in the aces of the world, recognizing that an enemy might not just be 100% of an enemy. And a friend might not be 100% of a friend, and that's okay. And it's all a matter of not, it's not warfare, it's not seek and destroy, it's sifting, it's clarifying. It's, it's, removing, it's removing stones to reveal waters. That's the idea. And when you find those waters, then you drink those waters and you embrace it and you become greater because of it. Okay, Hashem should help us, we should be to have the Chachma and this, to realize that we're allowed to be complicated, life is complicated, people are complicated, Yiddishkeit is complicated, and that's okay. Adarabah, that's the beauty of people, and that's the beauty of Yiddishkeit, they're complicated. Shkai.